The supernatural power of God surged in the first century in a way that lit up the early church and the gospel mission of Jesus Christ. The Almighty's omnipotence was especially on display during Paul's third missionary journey, which begins in Acts chapter 19. Apollos was a powerful preacher. The Holy Spirit's divine power was on display throughout Paul's ministry in Corinth. The sons of Sceva tapped into dangerous demonic power. And Artemis, the god of fertility, represented economic power for the Ephesians. No wonder they shouted, great is Artemis of Ephesus. But there is no power greater than Almighty God, who transforms lives by the power of the resurrected Christ. Truly, the gospel of Jesus is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. The Apostle Paul wrote those words to the church in Rome a few years before he made it there in person. He penned the letter from Corinth, either during or shortly after his third missionary journey, when God's power was on full display. Ron gives us an in-depth look at Paul's third and final mission trip today as he continues his teaching series, Paul Surprised by Grace. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now from Acts 19, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Supernatural Power and Protests, Paul's Third Missionary Journey. Well, these days, whenever I fill my car with gasoline or I go to pay my electric bill, uh, I'm reminded of all the uh, energy sources that power our lives today. I'm also reminded of just how expensive gas is getting these days, and the electric bill for that matter. Uh, big energy companies drill for and they refine what we call the fossil fuels, right? Natural gas, coal, uh, even oil. Or as my uh, Texas-born wife says, oil. I don't know if that's three letters or two or maybe just one, but oil, oil. She reminds me she's an oil baroness. I wish, right? But those are the fossil fuels. Today, we have a lot of conversation today about renewable sources of energy as well. Uh, we're talking about wind and solar and geothermal, uh, hydro forms of energy. And some people think that those renewable sources of energy may one day replace the fossil fuels. We'll see where that goes politically and otherwise. And then you add in nuclear power, nuclear energy. Wow, that's, a, that's an interesting one, isn't it? We have all these different sources of energy to power our daily lives. But as uh, followers of Jesus Christ, we could add one more that kind of gets lost in some of that conversation. We, we would call it supernatural power. <laughs> it's the power that powers everything else, right? It's the uh, power of uh, Almighty God, His unlimited power. Almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. Just go back this week and read through again Genesis chapter 1 and be amazed at the power of God as he just spoke the worlds into existence. 
Uh, theologians refer to his power as, uh, well, they use the word omnipotence to describe this aspect of his divine nature. To say that God is omnipotent is to say that he has all power over all things, always and in all ways. There's no power in heaven or on earth that equals the power of Almighty God. He is the source of all power. Now, Christianity is a supernatural faith, and the greatest display of divine power is, of course, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but even more so, how the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that lives in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit, and it's the same power that empowers our lives, that transforms our lives, that transforms us from death to life, from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. It takes the power of Almighty God to do that. And maybe this is what the Apostle Paul had in mind in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 when he wrote, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, Paul had it right. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of being a Christian. Don't, don't, don't be a secret service Christian. Where nobody knows you're a follower of Jesus Christ until you get inside the church, you know, where it's safe and easy to sing praises to God. No, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Now, the supernatural power of God surged in the first century. And it lit up the early church in a way that advanced the gospel mission of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Almighty's omnipotence, we might say, was on full display, especially during the third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, which uh, officially gets started in Acts chapter 19. Uh, Paul went through a lot of different places, as you can see on the map in your notes there. Uh, but Luke really focuses on his time in Ephesus, especially in the latter part of chapter 18 and all of of uh, chapter 19. Uh, this portion of Luke's uh, early church narrative introduces us to what I like to think of as sort of like four scenes or four acts in a play. It starts with Apollos. A guy named Apollos we'll get to know. He was a powerful, powerful preacher. And then at the beginning of chapter 19, uh, we, we learn about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that had not arrived in, in uh, the lives of 12 of John's uh, disciples. They had not heard of the Holy Spirit. News had not traveled from uh, Jerusalem in the day of Pentecost out to where they lived. And uh, they get introduced to the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, then a little bit later in chapter 19, Act 3, we might call it, is uh, an introduction to demonic power through uh, seven young men known as the sons of Sceva. And we'll talk about that. And then finally, we finish up um, with, at the Temple of Artemis, uh, this magnificent mythological Greek god known also as Diana, the fertility god. And tied into the mythology and the magic was also money and commerce. And so Artemis, in one sense, had economic power. Uh, to the people of Ephesus there. All of it demonstrates that the power of God is greater than any other power anywhere in the universe and certainly anywhere on planet Earth. Let's begin in uh, Act 1 or Scene 1 of this four-act play. And at the end of Acts chapter 18, Luke inserts this story 
about Apollos, who was a powerful, powerful preacher. Uh, he, he talks about this before transitioning to Paul's third missionary journey. Verse 24 says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, uh, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he arrived uh, and helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ, that the Christ was Jesus. Now, Apollos knew the Old Testament scriptures well, and he taught them with eloquence and with power. He, he was a bold enough personality to walk into the Jewish synagogue and even teach the Jews uh, from the Old Testament. Somebody along the way had recognized his gifting and even his calling into ministry. And uh, Luke tells us that they um, um, uh, instructed him in the way of the Lord. Uh, he, he was fervent and passionate in his presentation. He was the kind of guy that drew people into his ministry. People loved to hear Apollos, if for no other reason, because he was a great public speaker. However, Apollos had all this zeal and all this fervency without complete knowledge. He, he, he didn't know everything that had happened. Uh, and his preaching only went up to a, a certain point. He, he knew the Old Testament scriptures well, and his preaching went a little bit into what we would call the New Testament to the baptism of John, and it stopped right there. He had zeal without complete knowledge. And in that way, he reminds me of a lot of so-called preachers today who lead churches without having received, um, may I just say, proper training and instruction in how to prepare and deliver a biblical message. Oh, they may be eloquent speakers. I mean, spellbinding speakers and entertaining in their speaking. They may even be loving shepherds. You know, they love people. They may be organizational leaders, but they're not biblical preachers. I hear a lot of that today. Um, when you get a taste of biblical preaching. I mean, somebody who stands up there and says, turn in your Bibles to this page, and we're going to just find out what God has to say. And next week we'll come up and pick it up from there. When you get a taste of that, then your ears are attuned to what it is not. And it's not eloquence and entertainment and love and hugs and even organizational leadership and vision casting and all that. But somebody who is trained and committed to biblical preaching let me say it this way. A preacher can take people only as far as he has traveled in the Word of God. Let me say it again. A preacher can take people only as far as he has traveled in the Word of God. That starts with his training. Be careful who you listen to. Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request, and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage, then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. 
While you're there, visit our digital library, where you can tap into more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. Pastors and missionaries are not called to be motivational speakers, but transformational speakers. That means rightly dividing the word of truth. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Supernatural Power and Protests, Paul's Third Missionary Journey. Here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. Be careful who you listen to. Know something about their background and their their philosophy of preaching and their commitment to biblical preaching. Apollos took people on what I might call the ultimate road trip through the Old Testament. (laughs) Through the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament scripture as well, but he stopped at John the Baptist, the forerunner of Messiah, about whom Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 40 had prophesied about the one who is that voice that cries in the wilderness. Apollos knew about John the Baptist. And he knew about the prophecies and the promises concerning Messiah, but he knew nothing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knew nothing about the Holy Spirit who came on the day of Pentecost. And Aquila and Priscilla are sitting out there in the audience, out in the congregation, and they're listening to Apollos, an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures up to a point, up to a point. And fortunately, they didn't call him out in public. That would have been a little bit rude. Well, they pulled him aside, maybe invited them, him over to their house and said, listen, Apollos, man, God has gifted you and you have, you have, you have a, a great ministry here, but let, let, me, let me help you out a little bit. And, and um, Luke tells us that uh, Aquila and Priscilla explained to him the way of God more accurately. It is a preacher's responsibility to accurately and rightly divide the word of truth and to give people the word of God, not their best opinion about something, slapped on with a few Bible verses because, hey, we're in church, right? That's called motivational speaking. And yeah, our preaching needs to be excellent and it needs to be motivational, but it first needs to be biblical. And not everybody has training in that. Not everybody is committed to it. What they're committed to often are big crowds. And so uh, the itching ears want something other than, well, what Paul told Timothy to do, and what I've tried to do for 30 years, preach the word. Preach the word. Don't bore people with the word of God, but preach the word of God. And do it accurately. Rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, when, When Apollos preached, he preached the baptism of John. From John's perspective, And the Old Testament perspective, they looked forward in faith to the coming of Messiah. And Apollos knew well the prophecies and the promises of the Old Testament concerning the coming of Messiah. He just hadn't caught up to the fact that Messiah had come and the Holy Spirit had come. And so his his, his teaching and his preaching was inadequate until he met with Aquila and Priscilla and they caught him up. Okay. Keep in mind that the book of Acts is a transitional time. Apollos wasn't there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And so you know, his understanding of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the coming of Messiah, was inadequate. And he needed to do some catching up. And thankfully he did. And he went back into the synagogue and to other places. He even got now recommendations to go uh, plant this church and lead this church over there. And eventually Apollos made his way to Corinth. And in the church at Corinth, there were three on the preaching team there. There was Paul, there was Peter, 
and there was Apollos. Boy, wouldn't that be a great church to be in where you had three just incredible you know, pastors and, and teachers, Paul and Peter and Apollos. And the immature Corinthians, you can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, they made celebrities of their preachers. Some said, I follow Paul. Others said, well, I, I, I follow Peter. Others said, well, I'm an Apollos guy. And the really spiritual one said, I'm of Jesus. I mean, it's just craziness. Apollos, nor, nor Peter, nor uh, Paul were um, soliciting the celebrity status, and no preacher should ever do that. But the immature congregation made celebrities out of them, and Paul had to deal with that in um, his first letter to the Corinthians. So that's, that's scene one of uh, the power scenes we go through in this text of Scripture. Now we come to chapter 19, verses 1 to 7, and we're reminded of, of divine power that comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. That's John the Baptist. And Paul said, Well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. And he says, That is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. Now, what's this all about? Um, there is no mistaking the power of the Holy Spirit in the early church. The Holy Spirit who came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and forward. You, you just trace the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts, and you will understand that no Christian can successfully live the Christian life apart from the enabling resources of the Holy Spirit. We are not like uh, the Avis rental car company where we try harder, all right? That doesn't work in the Christian life. You try and try and try harder to live up to the holy standards of the Christian life, you will frustrate yourself. You will wear yourself out. You will give up at some point until you understand that he deposited inside of you and every believer the Holy Spirit, divine power to live by the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit so that you can successfully live this thing called the Christian life. Now, there's so much confusion today about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I don't have time to cover everything, but... I want to address some confusion around Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. Some people mistakenly use this passage and a couple other similar ones in the book of Acts to suggest that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second blessing. That a believer in Jesus receives some time after their salvation experience. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've grown up in a church that teaches that. The second blessing. There's only one problem with that. When Paul writes his letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, he says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In other words, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is evidence number one 
that you've had a genuine salvation experience and you belong to Christ. If the Holy Spirit is a second blessing, then what happens to salvation? I mean, the, the evidence isn't there. So there's a misunderstanding around this whole notion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is no second blessing. The Holy Spirit does not take up residency in someone's life after their salvation experience. He arrives at the moment of salvation. That's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You say, but Pastor Ron, I'm reading in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7, there were 12 disciples of John. They were believers. They didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. They hadn't received the Holy Spirit. What's up with that? Well, remember, the book of Acts is a transitional time in God's redemptive plan. And not everything that's happening in the book of Acts is normative for Christians today. You have to leave room for even a guy like Apollos to catch up, all right, and to learn a more accurate way of, of teaching uh, the, uh, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Apollos, it's no longer about looking forward to the coming of Messiah. Now it's about looking backwards. We've been doing that now, you know, for, we're, we're 2,000 years removed. We, we look back to the cross of Christ in faith. In Old Testament times, they look forward to the coming of Messiah in faith. Apollos had to catch up to that. Uh, these disciples of John, they weren't there on the day of Pentecost. And the news of what happened on the day of Pentecost hadn't caught up to them. So, so in this transitional time, God allowed for a meeting to take place between Paul and these 12 disciples of John. And he, he, he instructed them. Then it says he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues and to prophesy to show that they, they had the same experience as those people who were there on the day of Pentecost. And they caught up, much like Apollos had to catch up. Thanks for being here for this edition of Something Good. Today's message is part of Dr. Ron Jones' teaching series, Paul, Surprised by Grace. Look for it under the Library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it. It can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The two-volume set covers the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. And I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, is now available as a two-volume set covering the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. For a gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the set. When you order the print books, you will also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The digital library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight eBooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volumes 1 and 2, through the Old and New Testaments, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Such a great addition to any home library. That's The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. 
Request your copy of both volumes today at somethinggoodradio.org. Now, here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message. Boy, if you wanted to delve into the devil's world, Ephesus was the place to be. However, it was the power of God and the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that broke the power of darkness. And what it took in Ephesus was a greater demonstration of God's almighty power through miracles and the uh, consistent teaching of the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul and his missionary team brought that to Ephesus. What were these miracles? What did this demonstration of God's power look like? Find out next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Supernatural Power and Protests, Paul's third missionary journey. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.